Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to a classic big interview. This season, we're going all the way back to 2019-2020, and we've picked out one of our absolute favourites. This is what I had to say about it back then. Emil Heskey's autobiography may be called Even Heskey Scored. In fact, stop, strike that. It is called Even Heskey Scored. It's a sardonic title aimed at taking the piss out of those who take the piss out of him for his scoring record as a professional footballer, which was brilliant, and the fact that somebody once described the 5-1 when England scored, or Germany in Munich, with the even Heskey scored. This is the story of a man who's now got alternative titles for his book. The big interview drew out of him, Can They Cope With Me? Just Give Me The Ball? Emil's intelligent, articulate, interesting, and he'll tell you whether Martin O'Neill ever made him cry. He'll tell you the tricks players invoked in order not to have the stinking, swear-word-covered yellow jersey in training. He'll talk about finals of the League Cup in four different stadia. Trivia fans, get ready. This is a bright, confident footballer who's had to deal with terrible, racist abuse throughout his life, but has excellent, forthright, modern solutions to the problem. This is the big interview with Emil Heskey. Jointly, we score big time. The life I lead is very privileged. Hello, listeners. Out the window right now, I can see um, rhododendrons, a beautiful rolling garden coming down to... It's not Babylon where it's all to the edge. And by his own admission... We're with, well, we're with somebody who described himself as a strange person. Now he's not. That's not what he's famous <laughs> for. We're with the brilliant, very interesting Emil Heskey. And as I say to all my guests, thank you for being generous, generous enough to take time in your schedule no and talk to a weirdo no. like me on the big interview. Thank no you very problem, much. The reason I know, because I didn't know until very recently, that you describe yourself as a strange person, you say, I really am. Mm-hmm. And you say it for a particular reason, because although you were successful, characterful, resourceful, intelligent in your chosen career, mm-hmm. 
Emil, you said that you you talk about having to overcome mm-hmm. a sort of a shyness, mm-hmm. a reserve, which you would admit bears no relation to the guy we saw no. on the pitch, on the television. But for those who are about to hear about the brilliance of your sporting life, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that side of you and why you start a chapter in your book saying, <laughs> I'm a strange person, I really am. Not because... The, 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 when people come up to you in the street, they'll they'll remember you for what they see you as on the television and on the thingy. When people come up to me for the first time, especially when I was younger, it was like, who's this? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it, I, I'm not used to people coming up to you and grabbing you unless they're your family or someone like that. So, and I, even then... Uh, you, you've, 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 you've done a double take there, as if to say, yeah. "Whoa, what's going on?" Yeah, a, a sort of because I was just shy. I was, I, I, I was unsure about how to cope with yeah. that kind of interaction. Yeah, but football pitch is kind of a release from that. So it was just go, oh, okay, go and express yourself. I'm good at that, so let me go and express myself. I was actually preferred running, preferred sprinting, up and down the schoolyard to sprinting picking on people to beat right to beat to, uh, yeah. I'll race you I'll race you I'll race I was you good. no one would beat me so <laughs> that, that was that and then took it on to football where introduce a ball okay I'm okay with that now let's go and try that really really good got spotted rest is history but going back to the other bit is I wasn't necessarily comfortable being around people um, apart from my family and friends very shy, underneath my mum all the time. So yeah, it was, and people people might find that weird, but it's just different kids. I've got I've got kids now, and one is just outgoing. You've got to keep an eye, eye on her twenty four seven. She'll just walk off. Um, we were, we was recently in Italy, and she did it, and we're like looking, thinking where she, and she just strolls back, like nothing's happened. Happy and I, confident I, and relaxed. Yeah, nothing. I, I would never do that. No. And and as you describe it. You come from a very character, characterful family. Mm-hmm. And let's say, although it might be false, I think it's often expected that you were one of a few sons, but a son's like the dad, and your dad was confident, outgoing, couldn't quite understand it. But it, rather than a fearfulness, it, you also speak about you, you just having always been pretty happy in your own skin, yeah, pretty yeah, happy yeah. in your own character, in your yeah. own company. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was Which very, is a nice thing to be blessed with. Very, very happy. Um, again, people might find that strange. People might find it weird that you can just go and just sit there and sit there comfortably on your own and do something on your own, where other people might need people around them yeah. to, to have a discussion. And it's a much happen. worse curse not to be happy in your own head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because that's you, a really you, tough you, thing. Because as well, you're constantly um, relying on other people, um, where I didn't necessarily need that. I could... Even with talent and athleticism, mm-hmm. football world is, is weird. It's outright idiosyncratic, eccentric, it, as much as it's full of wonderful people, it's full of idiots too. Mm-hmm. If you've got this instinctive reserve, or shyness you call it, did, was that, did that become a barrier in any way? <clears throat> Probably off the pitch, yeah, but not on it. Because I, 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 I knew how to um, just, just part everything and... That was the easy part, the football pitch. <laughs> the football pitch was the easy part. The football pitch was no problem at all. Um, that was probably a release from a lot of things. But the actual living a daily life and times as well was something that you, you, you're never taught. You never yeah. know. You're kind of thrown in the deep end. I was 
16 doing interviews, 17 doing big interviews, 18 on national TV. Liking it or not liking it? Not particularly, because it was out of my depth. Got used to it. Because you as well, you, you learn as well along the way. It's like a job, isn't it? You learn on, on the job. And so you're learning how to deal with certain things. Um, now they have media training. Yeah, media training. So it was, you learn on the job, don't you? So it was tough at times. But again, you, uh, I, I learned along the way. And if you're shy, Arthur, because it's not a chronic thing, mm-hmm. but, it, but I, I am interested in the contrast that mm-hmm. you've even said it more clearly that the football side was easy, which for the rest of us we're pretty jealous of. <laughs> but if you're in a, a dressing room at any stage in your life and this shyness dissipates, full of really strong or noisy, vibrant or provocative characters... And you're tending to be quiet. And everybody knows you do your talking on the pitch. And everybody mm-hmm. respects you because you've got ability. But in a dressing room, to be a bit sh- quiet, not like now, let's say, mm-hmm. can also be a drawback. Because it can, it can draw the idiots to you or you can... I was lucky because I had talent. Yeah. Because they left me alone, kind of sense. But I could see, I, I know where you're going with this, where you could be picked on for just being that quiet guy in the it can corner. can be so, can't Yeah. But I was lucky because I had talent and I was p- producing um, it was alright then yeah Mill's there that's fine um, he'll, sit, he'll sit around us but he won't really interact and stuff like that and uh, they'll pro- we'll probably even touch on other things later where things that happened abroad with, with Leicester and stuff like that I wasn't, ab- I wasn't even around mm-hmm. I was in my room mm-hmm. <laughs> when people are going crazy doing all sorts of things and, and, and then I hear about it later mm. <laughs> I, was, I was around people but I didn't really get involved you were born in and around Leicester my, my upbringing, everything was uh, the, the, the Caribbean, typical Caribbean upbringing. Uh, we touch on racism in the book. Yeah. And you deal with it in a certain way. We knew that it was there. You don't... When it's a system, it's hard to fight it. But what can you do? You just get on with it. You know that you have to work harder in certain aspects, whether it be in your job, whether it be in your school, or whatever it is, you know that you have to work hard. On the streets sometimes too. Everywhere. Choices. Everything. Where to walk. When to walk. <laughs> it's, uh, it's brutal that we have to even speak about that. Did you speak about it then? Was it, was it, was it something that families it. had to share and talk about? You, you, you kind of instinctively know your family, will, you're guided by them as well. Hmm. So um, instinct, they didn't necessarily need to say. Some did. You'll always have, you'll always have classism, you'll always have uh, sexism. Well, when I say always, but it will be there. And it will be it it'll, it'll be tiered, and people will try and implement that to better themselves. Uh, I, I'll give you an example. We was away recently in, play, uh, in 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 Italy. My daughter was just dancing there, and another girl, a white girl, came uh, came across pretty much the same age, I'm guessing, and they just started dancing together, holding each other's hands. It was fine. There's no kids problem. don't. Yeah, they, they don't, don't think, have it. They don't, don't think it's you, like. But again, you don't know what years later after being in the system. What that child's going to be thinking uh, when they get older? Because it's it's in the system that you okay. No, uh, there's tears. Oh no, he's they're down there. We can't talk to them. We can't we can't socialize with them. Mm. You don't know until you actually sat down and spoke to them. The things you might have in common. Mm. You might gain another friend. You don't know, but you you because you've got tears and then you've got classes and then you've got racism. It's it's all no one actually gets to know anyone until you encourage those who are letting it happen. They aren't active participants in some form of racism, but they're allowing it to go. Unless you say to them, 
we're going to give you an incentive by punishing you that you will eradicate it, then it'll just drift. Again, it's not new to say punish. punish yeah. You talk about education as well. You, mm-hmm. you actually talk, and, and you talk about, uh, uh, now we're back to football, even though it's a societal yeah, problem. Yeah. You talk about a panel of people who can talk about this, who can, rather than, you know, a crowd of FA Blazers who are all, or predominantly white, who are all 50 and above and don't know about the problem. You'd like to see what exactly happening? Well, even the panel, you've got to have, you've got to have people who understand it, who have suffered. suffered. Yeah, who have suffered from it. Um, if you haven't suffered from something, how can you actually really understand what's going on? I spoke about it before with other people that um, I've been in airports where I've, I've sat down at the, the coffee shop. The only place to sit was the little... Bar, the little bar stool mm-hmm. looks into the airport. So I, yeah. put, I sat down there, I put my bag here, there was a table behind me. They all got up and walked off, walked to the other side. Of the, well, first the, the woman grabbed her bag yeah. and held it first and then moved to the other side of the uh, coffee shop. I knew what was going on, but to use, it might not look like anything, but I know what's going on. Because don't you we, suffered that, because we. people will perceive X just because of your skin colour. Yeah. Like, so in the book which we'll talk about and we'll name, and which is very good. It's interesting, it's funny. It, it also brings you into dressing rooms really well. Yep, yep. You do that as well. <laughs> you talk about ridiculous things about, like, if you live in a nice area and you happen to be black or Asian, mm-hmm. you must be a sportsman. Yeah, yeah Because yeah. there's no other way, no other way yeah, yeah. that you could... Or maybe younger, you were approached and asked to if you had drugs simply because oh, yeah, yeah. a black man in a, in, a, in a nightclub. That still, still happens now. So the, the, the coffee shop... It's just another example yeah. of oh, we've been indoctrinated or we're stupid enough to go like, <laughs> that, think, that person's think, skin means yeah. my suitcase is under threat. There's no statistics that show that either. So I don't know where it's all come from. I don't know if it's just a scaremonger or just something that's uh, happened over years that people just feel that whenever they're around people of colour, mm-hmm. they have to be on their toes a little bit. I don't know. Uh, I, uh, no, I no, I'm, you know, I'm not asking you to be the, the world's leading sociologist. <laughs> Unless people like me, mm-hmm. who haven't had to suffer this, learn and talk about it and ask the people who might come up with solutions, then we're not going to do anything about it. No. Something seems to me to be sensible about the Rooney Rule, broadly. It seems, to, from my point of view, that if people in sport will come to offices... In sport, football, might be unaware that instinctively or subliminally, subconsciously, they're not giving people of colour mm-hmm. an opportunity, then it might not be active racism that's presenting black men and women progressing in sport mm-hmm. administratively or coaching or director or owner is a different thing because yeah, money, money talks. Yeah. If you give a person of any creed or colour the chance to sit across a desk... That they're in the, the game. That, they're, they're in the yeah. game yeah. about the person who's making the decision going, that person's perfect, fabulous, mm-hmm. or has got a chance. Mm-hmm. So the Rooney Rule I, I th- is I, a step forward? I think it's definitely a step forward because it's not saying you must. No. It's just saying be open to the opportunity, to the, to the thought of having yeah. someone in there. Um, I, the, the, there's, there's players that have been that have sent uh, applications out for jobs and not had one player said 15 I had one back. And I get it, you've got loads of people applying, but to have 15 and not have one back. Well, and it seems, like, it seems a common thing within 
the, the we'll say, BAME uh, applicants. But yeah, so it's, it's, it's something that I think is possibly important because you're talking, it, it, it was brought out in America, right? Yes. So you're talking about a country that I would probably perceive as worse than here when it comes to that. It certainly seems so at the moment. But better when it comes to employment, mm-hmm. when it comes to black employment, because they don't, as long as you could do the job, they don't care. Mm-hmm. They're not looking at that sort of things, you know. Uh, we we have big companies on in 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 uh, the UK uh, with you know big sports companies who have the television rights and stuff like that, and they have the same over there. But you could go over there and see a full crew of African Americans where you would never ever see that here. So the, the, explain for those who don't know the importance of seventeen-year-old ML Heskey or your or. Or Jaden, or mm-hmm. whoever it might be, mm-hmm. uh, a form of age going. There's a person like me, oh. on the television or on the radio or leading. Or- aspire, you aspire to. I, I, I grew up watching, uh, you, you know, the, the likes of John Barnes, Viv Anderson, a good friend. You know, uh, Ian Wright was a special one for me. Obviously, they don't do it now. We used to have jobs for YTS. Me and my best mate Owen Johnson is someplace for um, less than now. We, we, we were on something else. I can't even remember what we were on. But we, uh, Newcastle were playing... Andy Cole was at Newcastle. Newcastle were playing against uh, Leicester. At Fulwish. He scored as well. He, uh, he scored that day and we were doing... I can't remember. We might have been in the home dressing room. We kicked, them out of the, kicked the people out of the, uh, of, of the uh, away dressing room and told them they've got to swap with us just so we can go and see Andy Cole. Brilliant. Yeah, we sat down with him. Sweeping up but looking at, looking at him and that, you know... Them sort of things that we're aspiring to be. And, that, and the thing is, as well, when you look at um, television, mm-hmm. it's only, for us, it was only sports that you could look at and say, yeah, athletics. You, the only sport you could see, 100 metres, uh, a final with eight black people running. Uh, so you're saying, OK, well, I want to be, I want to do that. I look at that, look at him, I aspire to be him. Arsenal, in the 90s, Right. When you had Paul Davis. six or seven black mm-hmm. players playing for them, mm-hmm. you're like, wow. You, you talked about the area you grew up in, and one of the things that I'd like to believe unites us is that I'm mad passionate about the club I support, Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I trundle on about them all the time in this series. Apart from Leicester being a place where you won trophies and won fame and presumably had an enjoyable career, I, I feel that you're left with a love for the club. I mean, not this instant, but broadly... You're a footballer who supports the club, or have I got that wrong? <clears throat> I was a Liverpool supporter, but when you go from the age of nine all the way up till 22, it's, it's a club that is in your heart. Um, they gave me the opportunity. If like I say before, even when I did uh, did what I did with the donation, um, with, Th- with this is when the club was genuinely yeah. in jeopardy, right? Yeah, yeah not everyone will know this administration. So um, Gary Lineker was heading the consortium. Um, so I just felt that it was right for me to get involved as well because I'm from there. That's 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 me. Uh, everyone asks, oh yeah, yeah, I'm from Liverpool. Oh, I'm from Leicester. <laughs> everyone knows I'm from Leicester, and and that's where my heart is as a city. Mm-hmm. You know, so to have the club, the club that helped me get to where I was, is is going the way that it was going. It just wasn't didn't feel right. Didn't sit right. So it was a case of what could I do? How can I help? And that was the that was the way to 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 get on get involved with with that uh, consortium. And it was something that I would do again and again. 
I really respect that because in life, just in general, if you see something that you want or you don't like, you act. Mm -hmm. Not everybody does, no. but you should. So let's take this because we're talking about Leicester now. Mm -hmm. You scored a lot at Leicester. You're a very successful footballer, mm -hmm. very good footballer. Mm -hmm. What's the title of your autobiography, Emil? Even Hesky scored. Why? That was the tongue-in-cheek with, uh, with the 5-1. <laughs> For England in Germany. Yeah. And who, did, I mean, who said it? A commentator or...? Oh, it's 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 now an urban myth. Yeah, yeah. It, it was said. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so you you've used that cheekily. Yeah. Uh, because you're taking the piss out of somebody being as dopey as to say and even. Yeah, look. The, the thing is, you, you you've you've got the stats there, so you can actually see. Well, you can see how, how that I scored and and, uh, oh, and how, what I what I achieved, but. If you take if you if you go by what people say, it's like you've never you've never played football before. Leicester City, nineteen ninety four to two thousand, one hundred and eighty four appearances, forty six goals. Liverpool, two thousand to two thousand four, one hundred and seventy six appearances for Liverpool, forty seven. Uh, pardon me, sixty goals. Mm -hmm. um, I think I counted before you sat down in the region of nine trophies. I got, do you know what? Sheeran got one. You know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not putting Alan Shearer down. No, we got the Premier League, though. Nobody would say, and, and, and even Shearer scored. Yeah, yeah. But, like, you nicked all these goals, trophies, success everywhere, respected and craved by managers and fellow pros, mm -hmm. but there's this thing hanging over you, and you've been cheeky and named about that, mm -hmm. or cheeky to your detractors. Yeah. Yeah, look, you've got to at times you just got to take it, take the the, the rough with the smooth, smooth, and and have a little have a little joke with it. Bumped into a guy in the airport once. Started talking to me about football, blah blah. He goes, "Yeah, but you didn't score many goals." And I goes, "Well, I scored over hundred in the Premier League." He went, "Did you?" <laughs> oh, I don't like football, I like rugby anyway. I was like, "What are you? Saying? <laughs> what are you talking Why are you standing here talking shit to me?" <laughs> so, but that's. Perception. Perception, again. Mm. Ooh, this is becoming a theme about perception. <laughs> so take us inside the, the training ground atmosphere. You've made it, you're there. I want to know... The training ground atmosphere is the best. That is where... Even when people retire, that's the only bit they kind of... They miss. Being around lads that are your... That are your... More or less your own age. Mm -hmm. And the banter that you get, the laughs that you get, it's just... It just feels fun all the time. Even pre-season... You're, you're half time you're dying from doing the running but you're still laughing you're still joking there's banter that you get that you get that you cannot take anywhere else because you just won't understand it and no. you might find it a little bit weird <laughs> <laughs> for example if you want a clue i'll give you a clue go on yellow jersey stinky yellow oh, jersey but that's fun. explain that so the yellow jersey is basically the worst player of the i wouldn't say of the week it was of that day so we'd play it on friday before the saturday games but it's, it got too fierce in the end because no one wanted to win the yellow jersey because it's basically you nominate the worst player for that day. So you want to win the game first and then the winners nominate and then even the losers get to nominate as well. So you are you rubbish. But you do it. Uh, <laughs> ever. But it's, it's good fun. And then your name gets written on it. It doesn't get washed. Ever? No. So it stinks? Yeah. You really don't want that yellow no, jersey? No, 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 no. I don't think I got that, to be honest. I don't, we'll be contacting your fellow pros. Yeah, that, that, you, you know we will check this story. We're big fan checkers the thing here. Is, the thing is, it was, probably it was always, he did just it was always between <laughs> Steve Guppy Name him. and Steve, Stevie Claridge. Marshall? Marshall as well. Maybe. But Marshall was great at deflecting. So Ian Marshall, was, as soon as he comes on the training field, he'd be planting little seeds in people's heads. Oh, he's having a bad day, isn't he? <laughs> he's having a bad day, isn't he? Yeah. So you've... 
immediately onto him. He's playing with the mind. <laughs> you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Take us through the characters because you've lived through two gigantic eras of Leicester success, one in which you played laterally post-career, looking at something that people would classify as one of the great football stories. Your era. Pick the ones you want, not maybe the ones I suggest, but I would contend that... like I used to love watching Marshall when he went up front mm-hmm. or socks rolled down, looking like Stig of the Dump. <laughs> he was. But an, the, another phenomenon of our big interview will be... We were recently with Matt Janssen, mm-hmm. who had tough, tough luck about what was a promising career being broken by a motorbike accident. But he would talk about Mark Hughes coming to training, having left Everton. And he's, you know, he actually goes into detail about how Mark Hughes was shit in training. Absolute rubbish. Mm-hmm. Saturday, yeah. bang on. We had players like that. So, uh, so, uh, Stevie Claridge. Stevie Claridge. Uh, you, if you watched him on the football pitch Monday, Monday to Friday, I would say, you'd think that he never played before. 
Steve Carriage used to rock up. We used to come in at 10.30, just be, just be ready for 10.30 on the pitch. That's what we used to be. Um, the manager changed that to 10.15 in to be on the pitch on the 10.30. Ready at 10.30? Yeah, because Steve Claridge used to rock up, pull his car right up next to the football pitch at nine at uh, 10.28, jump out with his boots and his full, fully kitted, jump on the pitch and uh, go and train. And then after that, jump in his car and he's off. That was, what, that was his routine every day. And then the manager changed it that like you have to be in there 15 minutes, sometimes half an hour before the training session. Even then, that's not a revolutionary change. No, no. You get him rocking up in a car, jumping out, and then back in again. Right, well, we're going to use the 15 minute rule. That's yeah. not exactly. And then, like, he's sports science. He, he would. Um, the thing with uh, Steve Clowes, the actual football part of things, you think, oh, he's never played before. He's, he'd come the ball, come to me. He just, he just loved having a joke. Nothing, nothing was serious with him. He'd be pissing about all the time. But, uh, when the ball comes to him, he'd be jumping out of the way like he didn't want to touch it. You're like, what's wrong with him? And then he'd, the running he was great at, he'd, he'd be first around there and he'd be, be winning everything. And then come the Saturday game, amazing. It's the mentality that you have, um, because I couldn't do that because I always said that I train the way I play. And, yeah. I, and, I, and I couldn't switch from that. One thing that Martin O'Neill never really did was, really, he didn't really look at training and say, oh yeah, he's on it this week, I'm going to play him. Because he knew what characters brought certain stuff to the game and what they were going to do in the game. He always knew that. See, he's really... I've met him, spoken to him about this. We've all watched his success. Mm-hmm. He's been a phenomenon. And, and the genealogy, although there's no blood relation, the genealogy is... His ideas and his actions are not that different from Clough, mm-hmm. under whom mm-hmm. he played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, do, do us the privilege of trying to explain Martin O'Neill as a manager or a, or a football manager, because I don't think... There's almost anybody left no, like him. No, no, no. Explain for the listener. Martin, Martin was a, a man manager. If he liked you and he liked what you did, he'd make you feel like a million million dollars that you could take on the world. If he didn't like you, you'd probably best to leave the club. He always managed to get the best in that era, always managed to get the best out of play. Just giving you the, the confidence to go out there and perform. Telling you, if he saw something good in you, he would say, I, I, go and do this. Oh, you were absolutely fantastic at that. Oh, look at this. Oh, and next minute you'd be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to run through a brick wall for this, man. Blah, blah, blah. I'm going to keep doing that. He wouldn't challenge you to do something that you, he knows that you can't do. I remember giving the ball away to, to, to well, not giving, giving it to uh, Robbie Savage. And him giving the ball away. Mm-hmm. Um, it might have been a bad pass, I don't know. But he'd given the ball away. And he goes, well, what's he going to do with the ball? Well, what he could do, he could turn out and pass. No, you can get it. You can turn. You can just run. No one's going to catch you. And I'm like, you're right. But <laughs> So he'd give you that confidence to say, okay, yeah, yeah. And that's all, I, that's all he told me to do. You know, get it, turn and run. Shoot. Get it, turn and run, cross. And it was just simplified. Uh, with Gops, for argument's sake. Gops, I need Steve Guppy. Yeah, Steve Guppy. Take people on, cross it. You don't need to really beat them because he was a winger as well. You don't need to beat them. Just get that crossing. Mill, make sure you're on the end of it. So it gives you that confidence. And when you're actually doing it, be praising you, praising you. And that just gives you another lift, another boost. And that's all we It's a simple Pavlovian thing. You give people praise or reward them or get... You get... You get that's what you get back. You're not describing something that's ultimately very complicated. So it functioned, but... We never, we never coached. Never coached. We'd see him on Tuesday. He'd run us. Mm-hmm. 
because we had Wednesday off. And then Friday, and then Saturday, obviously. And you ripped things up. Yeah. <laughs> you, you won League Cups and... Four Wembley appearances in three, uh, in five years. Was it four? Yeah, four Wembley appearances in five years. What was the most significant, or for you, for you, most significant, most enjoyable of those? Because you, apart from possibly having the most League Cups of anybody, you, you, you won or played in finals in Old Wembley, mm-hmm. Cardiff, Hillsborough, if I'm not wrong. Yes. New Wembley? I went to, with Villa. Was that new or was it old? That was new, yeah. Let's say, yeah. So new. you've played the final Old Wembley, New Wembley, Cardiff, Hillsborough. That ain't bad. Mm. The one that you maybe take the most satisfaction from, the one that you enjoyed, the strangest, which, which of them to you Middlesbrough. stands out? <coughs> Middlesbrough, the first one. Um, That's the Viv's middle, 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 Yes, middle, yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep reminding him about that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, um, we got we got battered that the, oh, yeah. the week the week or so before we got battered by them I think it was two or three nil or something in the league. Janino um, just absolutely battered us. So again, Martin thought about that, put Pontus Carmack on him to to man mark him. Never did anything, and we we drew that game. But that that was my first cup final. You scored, don't you? Yeah, yeah. That was my first cup final. Twenty five yards top corner. No. Like, yeah, something like that, tapping. Let's just say, yeah. It counted, right? Yeah, definitely. It went in the net. Yeah, it's got final goal. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that one was one to remember, that one. But it was a draw and then obviously went to... That's when you went to Hillsborough, yeah, think, isn't Reba, it? Yeah, and then uh, Stevie Carrish scored. Although Liverpool was the one you grew up supporting, Leicester's <laughs> in your heart, we've established. <laughs> How did you live that Ranieri season? And, and as you began to watch, the, did, did, your, uh, did your football eye tell you soon, not that they're going to be champions, but something interesting is happening here? Definitely said uh, something's interesting happening here. Um, what did I think of Ranieri? I didn't really have too much thought because knowing he's a good manager and good tactician, uh, I, I, I didn't know if it was going to work properly. Yeah, I think that's what I'm asking. Yeah, I didn't know if it was going to work properly because at the time Leicester were just a workhorse team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a few players. You got your Mares and play people like that who can give you a little, little bit special every now and again. But it was it was mainly like what we were, workhorse team. Get 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 in and amongst them, get get Vardy up the top, get get the balls behind, get him onto the back of them and score the goals. So I didn't know how it was going to work. And the good thing about what he did was he didn't change the structure too much straight away. And that's I think for, that's how I feel. A lot of managers they fail a little bit. You come in here and you want to change this, change that. Yeah, doesn't it? Like, you, you change it too much. Um, players are, 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 are creatures of habit. So try and keep everything structured to a point and just change a little bit every now and again. That's so they don't even notice. And I think that's one of the good things that he did. He just didn't implement too much changes straight away. And I think that just spiralled on. Everyone else faltered and they, kept, they were the strongest. Mm-hmm. The good thing is you had Chelsea really bad that season. The only the only real challenge was Spurs. Mm-hmm. Everyone else had kind of I don't I don't know what happened. You had to adapt, didn't you? From what had made you successful at Leicester, you had to show. Different. I don't know at Liverpool. You had to <laughs> well, positionally we were, it was different. We, you were given we the had, ball differently. Well, we had we went from uh, no disrespect to Leicester, we went from a more of a counter attacking team um, holding the ball up and chasing the channels and uh, to actually having more of the ball. We uh, we probably had. 30, 30% of the ball at Leicester to 60% of the ball at Liverpool. How do you break someone down? We went from, we went from having two banks of four 
at Leicester, and then and then us two working up there. As two being so, you and uh, whoever, or you and whoever, or whoever is, and sitting back and, and soaking up pressure, then hitting on the break, um, and then the two, basically the other way around, where people are sitting in front of you and you've got to try and create space, you've got to have plenty of movement. Were you mentally prepared for that before you moved? Were you like, I know this is going to be completely well, I, different? I, I, I was lucky I played with the national team. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> different, ta- different style of football. And then I was, my football brain was... Engaged, it was good. Yeah, it was good. It was good. I, I could l- pick up on certain things fairly quickly and I could learn it and I'd adapt quite quickly. Um, and I adapted fairly quickly for that, for that change that we had. So there was an emotional thing about going to Liverpool. Listen, it's a bigger club. You mm. probably felt you had m- even more chance of winning trophies, which proved to be yeah, true. Yeah, of course. In your youth, Liverpool had been uh, in our club that you'd supported it. You, you probably look at it as being a brilliant move for you in terms mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. just about everything. Is that correct? Yeah. It was the right move. I, I um, had options. Villa, Doug Ellis was on to me through uh, Peter Taylor. Okay. Um, to to come and even just have a discussion, but once I knew Liverpool were involved, it was a case of, well, what's the point in speaking to anyone else? It was just yeah, I think Spurs were interested, but I don't know if there was any real interest. I think they were just sniffing around. And one of the characters that has again featured in our series that I like very much indeed, I want to pick on, is the arrival of Gary McAllister. <laughs> is is a big positive for you Huge. in every way. We, Carragher was in this as well, and he went that. About six weeks before they signed um, Gary, Julio was briefing the team saying, I think he must be playing Coventry maybe. Mm-hmm. McAllister's finished, slowest player in the team, get on him. <laughs> and six weeks later, it's like, why would you say Gary McAllister? <laughs> but I, I think you can understand. I don't understand why this. That's just a mental thing for us. Kind Ex- of, explain yeah. Gary. Gary was just a, a, a great individual to be around. Um, you say that his legs had gone, it hadn't. They hadn't. Maybe uh, maybe sharpness to get there for ten yards, but he, he, up and down you could. You, you, he was bit, as good as anyone else, and his football brain was amazing. And so having him around as a senior figure, because you got to remember, I went from being at Leicester mm-hmm. with all senior figures, so they would look after you, tell you, oh, yeah, well done, blah blah, this and that, take you under your wing, as in on the football pitch. So going from there and then going to Liverpool, where you hadn't, uh, we got Sammy Pierre and players like that, but we haven't really got a senior. Senior figure. We had a lot of younger lads, so um, going to there and having him there was amazing. You know, he was just great, just a, a, a wonderful. People underestimate what a fantastic passer of the oh, ball he was. Yeah. In the even Heskey scored book, you talk about service from Beckham and yeah. service from Guppy, mm-hmm. service from Scholes. But Gary's in that at oh, least yeah. in that class. There's, there's a lot of them are in that class as well. When I moved from Liverpool to to Birmingham. That was a tough transition because I'm so used to them players. Then you go to uh, a different calibre of player, still a professional player, still a good player, but they don't see a pass. They don't see that pass. They, don't, they can't make that pass. Is that brutally frustrating? Very, but you adapt very quickly. I'm, I, like I said, I, I can adapt. So I had to adapt very quickly. I'm used to getting a little eye contact with uh, Stevie G and spinning and going and him going, playing it. Skulls. Um, Danny Murphy. Players like that, you know, the, the ability to actually find a path, find a path, then then having no disrespect to them at Birmingham, but then having them just going side to side, keeping it simple, going backwards, and then it going longer, mm-hmm. and then playing from there. You explain in the book mm-hmm. that you you when you began to experience coming back to Liverpool, that you were a little bit 
overcome by yeah, yeah, yeah. flipping it. They actually appreciate yeah. and love me there. It's, the thing is, when you're in an environment and per se, and you, you you don't really know what you got there, you're only you, the thing is. I would say is keep away from newspapers because mm-hmm. they will give you a false Sorry about that. image on yeah. on certain things. Get to know your fans because I, I, it's now I get to understand how much they love me. But it, it, it didn't... It you weren't did, aware. I wasn't aware. I did feel like that, but I wasn't fully aware or fully a grasp of how much. He's still in the book, and, and maybe you can explain it before we finish on something about the title. Mm-hmm. In essence, I didn't want to leave Liverpool, but I needed to leave them. If I'd stayed, I don't know if I'd been the same person. Mm-hmm. I was scrutinised for the clothes I wear, what I did, how my hair and stubble was, whether I had an earring or not. On yeah. it goes... You actually say um, that if you'd stayed at Liverpool, life would have been drained from me from the pressure. My mood would have been different. Mm-hmm. It affected my lifestyle, my health, everything. When I went to Liverpool, I'd, I think I was sponsored by someone. I can't remember. I, I think it might have been Knife. Uh, excuse me if it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Apologise. It's done. Anyway, Fine. I was I was sponsored by someone, and I, and uh, you got to remember, I was twenty two. I had not long. I'd not left Leicester. Leicester is where I'm from. Grow up. That's where all my people are. Everything. I come up to this place. I know nothing about moving clubs. No one had told me that when you go to when you actually go and you're presented as a new player, you should wear a suit and a tie and this. And that. I think I can help you here. Did you turn up in Puma? Oh, here? there you go. There you go. Teamwork. You see. There you go. So sorry, Puma. No. <laughs> We've done it well. They get an extra mention. There you go. So I've turned up with that. I'm sponsored by them. So I've turned up in that, and it was a big hoo ha about where. Why is he not wearing a suit? Why is it? Uh, okay, fair enough. But, oh, look at his hearing. Why is he? <laughs> but so then that just goes on. If you're not doing so well, it just amplifies. So at the time, I still had a year left at Liverpool, and I wasn't ready to leave. Really, came to me. I think it was Rick Parry came to me and said uh, they brought CC. Uh, they've accepted a deal from um, Birmingham. Go and talk to them. I said, like, really want to go. Mm. I, I, I'd prof- I was speaking to my agent, and I, I don't really want to go. I'd fight for my place, but they, they said, no, no, they're gonna. He's gonna play. You're not gonna play. Okay, that's fine. I'll go and have a look at what Bernie was like. Went met with Steve Bruce. Um, it was back in the Midlands, um, so I took it up. But it was a good thing because it allowed me to just come out of that cold room, that pressure cooker, into something that was a little bit less. Uh, the, it was still pressure because it's football you want to win yeah. games but it's nowhere near what that is that is tough you've got to be you've got to be mentally physically and mentally uh, uh, ready for that because it will drain you then we, we must you've explained that well we must let you go but we must finish on the reason for the title of the book because anybody who watched England going to Germany England is such a psychosis about Germany <laughs> Whatever Lineker's expression about 90 minutes, 11 men, then Germany win, blah, blah, blah. When Old Wembley was closed by Didi Aman scoring that. And that was the pressure we're going into the game with. Then you end up 1-0 down. Should have been 2-0 down. That is tough. But none of you looked as if you were thinking, oh, well, here we go again. <laughs> no, no, no. And that, uh, even as a Scot, that was a beautiful football performance. Yeah, we, we had some good players. We, 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 at times, we gelled so well. And it just looked, everything just clicked and everyone knew. Really, your eyes are shining now looking yeah. back in it. You're mentally in that, nah, back it, it, in the you, Olympic you, Stadium. You, you know everything just gels, everything just clicks. When you've got, you, you, you look, at this, look at our defensive pair of uh, Rio and Sol. It's a brilliant pick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a brilliant pick. Well, and in front of them? 
uh, we had uh, Skulls, I think it was Skulls and Stevie G, Bex and Nicky Barnby. We had the best left back in of an era, uh, Ashley Cox. Ashley was different, it probably still is different class, but phenomenal footballer, phenomenal yeah. athlete. And then myself and Michael up front. Which was a proper partnership. Do you, do you remember the build-up? Do you remember thinking, we'll win here? Do you remember... When it's nearly <laughs> nil, maybe speaking personally or what no, leaders you know, in the team I, say. I always, I always went into games just, it's another game, can they stop me? Nice, <laughs> nice. I always went into games like that. I, and and, and that, I think that went off uh, a bit off Martin O'Neill because we never really focused. It wasn't until I went to Liverpool that we really focused on opposition. England as well, obviously. But when I was at Leicester, we never really focused on opposition as such. It was only that time when we went to the to the League Cup final when we got battered before. You thought, okay, let me put him on. Close down Janine. And then everyone else can do what they're doing. Um, but So I never really focused on that sort of stuff. And um, But it was a bit, obviously, there's a big hoo-ha when it comes to playing Germany all the time. We lost the last game at the, at the old uh, Wembley, which is a massive, huge thing. Then you go into their backyard and you're 1-0 down. We we had the characters, we had the we had the leaders, and everyone led by example as well. We didn't just have one, uh, whoever. Uh, obviously, Bex was the captain, but we didn't, it wasn't just Bex who, who was leading. We had we had eleven on there. I always say Ashley Cole is the best best left back of that era. Again, this bugs me the way that he was written about, he was treated, mm-hmm. and it's been transferred to Raheem now. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's reached a stage where you know it's intolerable. It's not even down to what people wear. What's it got to do with anyone? I have no explanation, unless we come back to the theme that we began upon, that inherently yeah, yeah. it's about, well, let's just pick on the guy who's different from different. us. Different. And I think that's the... the, the, the yeah. Do you feel that similarly about how Ashley was treated? I think so, yeah. Um, I just think uh, you look at... This is another episode, really, but if you look at the trophies he's won, but he's never been given the accolades that others who... who have uh, who have probably not as won as much as him. I tell you, I, and you're I, saying it's, it, they're saying it's for achievements within sports. Uh-huh. He's won them. He's won more than anyone else. I hope that people are convinced that they should go out and find and buy. Even Heskey scored. <laughs> I'm also pretty convinced that it should have said, Emil Heskey, just give me the ball. It's been a joy. Thank no, you very thank much. You, indeed. Thank you. Thanks for having Emil me. Emil Legend. Thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.